You know, it's uh, while I would much rather be able to come to you this morning and say, hey, the enemy tried to knock me off the horse last night, but we prayed and, you know what I mean, and, and it, the sickness didn't happen. As much as I would much obviously rather that to be the result, and of course I'm contending for that to be the result even from here, expecting God. You know, I also value the, the teaching moment that it becomes for us. Because so many times we, we come into situations regarding our own physical health and we, we were challenged in that place to believe, well, maybe God doesn't really want to heal me, you know, or maybe the word of God really doesn't say that, you know, and so I kind of come to you and say, yep, I get sick once in a while, <laughs> but it doesn't change the word of God. You know, it, it doesn't change the level at which I'll be contending for that victory, you know, that the Bible rightfully says is mine. Sometimes we, sometimes we have to fight. We, we live in a natural world. There are things that come against us. You know, we just, we need to learn how to battle and to battle with what, you know, rather than coming under something. And so, so I, I can appreciate the lesson that's in that just to say, this doesn't challenge my faith in any iota. It only emboldens me to continue to press in for the more. Does that make sense? And so to that end, I know there's a number of folks that are out uh, currently ill for one reason or another. And uh, so I thought we'd just start by just praying for them. Can we do that? So, Father, we thank you for your design. You know, that, uh, and I was even just talking with Lynn Carpenter this last week about how our bodies are designed to heal themselves, especially when given the proper nourishment. They literally heal themselves. If it wasn't your desire to heal us, you would have never, you know, you have never designed us that way. We've been fashioned in your likeness, and our bodies heal themselves. That screams that you're the healer. That's just who you are. It's your nature. It's overflowing out of us. It's just by design, part and parcel with these bodies, this incredible, unique system that you've blessed, that you've designed, that you've created, that you've breathed into. We thank you for that, God. We stand contending for our friends different ones who are being attacked by illness have gotten a hold of those snotty Walmart carts. <laughs> and Father, we cut it in Jesus' name. We break it off. We just speak healing and health and hope, just deliverance from those things over all of our people you know, who, are, who are struggling under those things today. We bless them, God. We, we, we break it. We break this, the yoke of this cough and cold season. Father, we declare that we'll not come underneath that. We will tread on it like Peter over the waters. We'll tread on it. We've been given victory over it. We will not come under it. Father, we say in the name of Jesus, we break any agreement that we have with our own lips made with this cough and cold season where we, where we have declared over ourselves, oh, yep, this is the season. We're expecting that to be the case. We break it in the mighty name of Jesus. We will not partner with that thing. We just say we are atmosphere changers. We're not transformed by our atmosphere. We're changers of our atmosphere. Father, we're victorious believers empowered, given authority by you in the heavenly places. We're, we're in, in that place where we've been seated. We say your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Over every single vessel of glory that you have blessed us to be a part of here, every single person that's, you know, that's, that's bedridden, every single germ that's attached itself to them, we break it. Father, uh, those who are struggling with more serious conditions, we say enough in Jesus' name. We break it in Jesus' name. Father, would you release extravagant hope in the way of healing over your people from this moment forward. And Father, would you also hedge us in Send your angelic host to hedge us in and protect us from all the fiery darts of sickness, both in the natural you know, and in the spirit of that snake, the enemy, who would try to drag us down and get us to doubt your goodness. We break that in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen? It's good. We've got to continue to, to fight and contend for the fullness of the kingdom to unfold. So... Uh, last week we talked about this, more quite specifically, the, the gift of healing. And, and I, I have to say, I'm just I'm blown away at God's goodness in it. I'm just blown away at God's goodness in it. You know, and, and some would believe, though it doesn't make sense to believe this way uh, scripturally, but some would believe that our healing comes with that one day in the by and by when we enter into heaven. May I just submit to you that we don't need to be healed in heaven because we don't have physical bodies in heaven any longer. I'm not healed, I'm dead. There's a difference, right? So it doesn't make sense in, in light of that. You know, but how many of you know that, that, that Jesus could have actually set it up that way? 
But he didn't. You know, the, the, the blood of Jesus impacts me. We were singing about it today. I've been born again into a new family. That's what it means. I've been born again into a brand new bloodline. You know, that all of the generational curses that come first and foremost from our father Adam are no longer to impact me. I have severed that root and I have been born again into a new family and connected in with Christ. And it's his blood that flows through me. How many of you know that's a significant transference or a transformation that has taken place in our lives if we choose to actually accept it? You know, so you know, God didn't have to design it this way, but out of his unbelievable goodness, he has. And I don't know about you, but I am thankful. I am thankful that I don't have to come under something like this, but that he's given me authority over it. You know, he's given me victory in that place to fight, you know, to, to, to apply the finished work of Calvary to my situation. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm so grateful to God that that's the way that he's actually set it up. One of the things that I hear as it relates to healing, I've heard this over, over the different years, Sometimes people will ask, well, if, if healing is for today, if that's God's will, why aren't we seeing it? Why aren't we seeing it? And they would accuse me even today, well, see, look, you're, you know, you're not feeling well today. Clearly, it's not working for you. But my answer generally is something like this. If you're not seeing it, you're probably not in the right environment, and you're not hanging with the right people. You know, why do I say that? Because he is doing it. On a massive scale, in fact, there's an unprecedented level of healing from lay people, not from you know, apostles and amazing people, just from normal Christians, not called to an office ministry. You know, there's an unprecedented number of people that are going out into the marketplace, in the, in, in the place out there where they have influence, and they are laying hands on the sick, they are seeing them recover. Even this house here, we have such a tremendous testimony of healing, of what, the, of what God's done over the last several years. Would you know, maybe you don't know this, we have hundreds of testimonies of God's miraculous healing. And, and, and of those I followed up, you know, are you still healed? You know, the, 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 we have, we've had hundreds more where God's touched them, but for whatever reason it didn't stay. I haven't recorded those. So we have hundreds of recorded healings, things that have happened right here on a Sunday morning. I, I've written down just a few, just to, just to get you thinking. You know, aches and pains, probably most predominantly, you know, especially as we first started into this, aches and pains. But how many of you want to live with your pain? I didn't expect to see many hands. I don't know. I, I, but I, oddly, I have had people actually say they, they think that's God. So, you know, but aches and pains, we've had a, an inordinate amount of those uh, healed over the last several years. Depression. We've had depression healed. I mean, if you have ever experienced even an ounce of depression, you know how precious that is. That it, with a miracle, God was able to break off of someone's uh, emotional well-being, off of their soul, you know, this black cloud of depression. With a word, with a prayer, a miracle is released, and they come out of that cloud of depression and into a place of joy. A chronic congestion we've had healed, I think probably in relation to some sort of uh, long-term allergy. A deviated septum. We prayed for a young man one time, and his nose actually popped. It popped. And then after that, his parents had, had made report that, you know, when he would sleep at night, that, that his breathing was awful. You know, it was, you know, kind of, they were like, you, you knew when he was sleeping because, you know, you could hear it from the other room kind of a deal. And that from that moment forward, you know, perfect, beautiful, you know, sleep with good breathing, you know, deviated septum. You know, how many of you like that one? <laughs> you know, right. Well, it's available to you. You know, we've had, uh, we've had more than one sciatic nerve healed. And if you've ever experienced that excruciating pain, you'd be pretty thankful that that's available to you today. Arthritis. How many of you know you don't have to get old and get arthritis? You don't, you don't have to. That doesn't have to be your result. Jesus has already paid for it. You already have victory over that. We've seen it healed here. Uh, pulled muscles. Uh, one time there was this guy, Sean Hardy, some of you military, you probably know who he is. He's a great big old guy. I mean, just a big dude. He's bigger than anybody in here, no doubt about it. And he was a, he was a heavy lifter. You know, he told me one time, he said, I, I just knew in my life, he said, I'd never be cut like you, Eric. Like, seriously, have you seen this brick house? This dude, right? Seriously, you got, you've been, you've been doing it, man. You're looking, you're looking good. You know, he said, he said, and you too. He said, he said, I knew I would never be cut. He said, but I knew I could also lift a Buick. 
And then that was true. Like that was shown already. So he did this heavy lifting sub. I think he was in a, I don't know if he's in a tournament or if he was just in the gym, but he, uh, he had an injury. And if you don't know that there's this, there's this lining on the inside of you that holds together everything, all of your organs. And it's called, I think it's called a fascia. I may not be saying that fascia, fascia. I don't know how you say it. Potato, potato, probably all of those. And, and he did something and it literally ripped it literally separated. And you know, doctors had done an MRI or whatever, and they confirmed that, in fact, you know, this literally separated. And the doctor's word to Sean was, you're never going to lift like that again. Sorry, sorry to tell you, you're never going to lift again. He came, he was standing right up here. I happened to be on the prayer line that day, and we were praying for him. And oftentimes on the prayer line, we'll ask somebody, you know, is God doing something? Because we can't always see it, you know. So what's, what's God doing? Is he, you know, do you feel his presence? He said, man, he said, he said I feel like this, he's like this, like this liquid love. He said, I feel this heat of God coming down. He said, it's, it's flowing onto my, onto my body. And we were like, uh, that's probably good. You know, that's probably good. You know, we continued to pray for him. How many of you know that man walked out of here 100% whole that morning. I mean, this is a significant issue. His internal parts were ruined. The doctor said, sorry, you're done. And God himself, the great physician, Jehovah Rapha, literally sews him back together. That Monday, this was a Sunday, if I remember correctly, that Monday I had Sean here helping me move a refrigerator out of the kitchen back there. Right? You know, so the guy who was never supposed to lift heavy again, you know, was helping me remove a refrigerator the day after the Lord touched him. Come on. I mean, you know, God's in the business of moving, which by the way, I was on the other end, so boom. That's what that's what that <laughs> big that big old guy, but come on, you know, if you that's, <laughs> we've seen extravagant things happen here. Uh, heart itch, issues. I, I don't know if I'm saying it right. We've had uh, atrial fibrillation. Does that make any sense? You know, uh, you know, we've had that actually healed. A doctor's report, like signed and, and healed, uh, reported that warts. We've had warts fall off of people. My own son was one of one of many who've been healed of warts. I mean, those little buggers. If you ever got one, you know, you, you know. But it literally felt. He was in worship one day, and he was like, "What was that?" He looks down, and the wart had literally fallen off of his finger, completely healed. He's never had them since. You know, and it just right here at Harvest, we've had rashes clear up. You know, several of those. Uh, we've had broken bones. We had a young man up here from from YWAM one year. And he was actually out on a, on a DTS, a discipleship training school for, for YWAM. And on that, they, they go overseas. And it, it was actually with Jake and Pendleton, one of the missionaries that we support here. And uh, he's an extreme guy, and he does extreme stuff with YWAM. He's awesome, you know, and worthy of our support, plus some. Just, a, just an incredible family. And this dude literally fell off the side of the mountain and broke his back, broke his ankle. And, and sometime later, he was here on this trip with him. I guess he was enough to, where he could travel, but he had a full back brace that went from here, you know, all the way down to here, you know, and then I can't remember exactly what he had on his ankle. I think it was a big boot of some sort. I mean, this dude was broken and in pain. We prayed for him and he takes off this, this back brace, takes off his foot brace and walks out of here without pain. You know, I mean, it's like, come on, like, this is the stuff that God's been doing right here in this house, you know, and these are just, I'm just touching the surface. I just hit some of the good ones, you know, uh, colds, colds, we've had colds healed. We're going to have this one healed in Jesus name. You know, we actually, I remember we had a lady named Carly sitting right up there on the front row, which by the way, we invite you. The front row is actually where the anointing is. So, right. so you know, you know I, if I'm not mistaken, she had cervical cancer was what it was. I'll have to look back at my notes, but for sure she had cancer completely healed. But cancer is not the, the big giant of the... It's not the Goliath. Like, there is no Goliath in the kingdom. There is no Goliath in the kingdom. God is immensely bigger than we can ask or think. Like, you, know, you understand, like, you're sitting, you're positionally sitting in heavenly places with Christ Jesus, who has already delivered a victory to every enemy that you will ever face. You know, he's already signed it with his own blood. I mean, Isaiah 53, he carried our sicknesses on himself to deliver to you, you know, healing and, and hope and to give you the ministry of healing and hope to release you into the streets so that you can see the same results that he did. His own words, you will do greater things than you saw the Lord Jesus doing in his earthly ministry. This is normal Christianity. This is normal. This is what God has put in front of us. We, we, have, we have settled for something so significantly less than this. It's, we've, we've settled for coming into the kingdom, and I've been born again, but we really don't even know what that means. And, and I've been born again, and I've come into the family, and by golly, I'm going to do a really good job from now on. I, I mean, 
That's what we've settled for. You know, I'm, I'm going to come in and, and, you know, I recognize i got three or four issues that I need to get squared away and maybe some things in my thinking that, that are broken and, and I'm, I'm going to read my word more. We're going we're gonna to get there. Oh, I'm still a filthy sinner and I'm never ever going to be rid of any of that and I'm coming under sickness and every other demonic filthy thing that's out there because I absolutely have no power and authority. You know, but someday when I reach heaven... We have settled for so much less than what is available to us. You understand that to say so many people who are opposed to the message that I'm preaching to you today, they will often say, well, you know, well, that stuff's demonic. That's just, a, oh, this guy's manifesting a demon. Look at him, he's shaking over there. And if there's ever any healing, it's probably fake. But if there was, it'd be demonic. You understand that in coming in line with that theology, what you're in essence saying is that the only power that's available on planet Earth is demonic power. And that the church, in essence, is rendered completely helpless in opposition to it. Like, yo, oh, that's demonic. Well, then where's the power in the church? Well, we're just going to be good people. No, there's more. Like Jesus paid for so much more and we have settled for so much less. I believe we're in a season where he's calling us into a place of contending for the more. We have this much time. I mean, this much time to affect our entire eternity. What are we going to do with it? What are we going to do with this much time? We don't understand the gravity of, of, of eternity in this eternal perspective that we're called to have, where we deny ourselves, where we potentially deny comforts, where we step out of our comfort zone, where we love people beyond our fear, and we step out with boldness and we go, I noticed you, Mr. Walmart guy, have a limp. I would like to pray for you. You will be surprised at what God does in you and through you when you begin to step out in boldness, whether you believe you're gifted or not. You know, and and this, this stuff that I'm sharing with you today, like we're, I, I don't mean this as a point of comparison because you know, I, in the spirit, I don't feel like we're small potatoes, so I understand what we're saying. But, but compared to some of the ministries out there, we're small potatoes. Is that, did I give enough context for that? You know, and, and, and this is what we're seeing here. You know, we've seen people, we've, we used to have evangelistic teams that go do treasure hunts. We'd see people get healed out there on the streets. You understand? Like, this is what we're seeing. But there are people that are extravagantly way beyond anything that we have happening here. And one of those ministries, for example, is, is Randy Clark of Global Awakening. Anybody ever hear of that guy? You know, you know that they have recorded, since 2001, they've recorded 350,000 healings. Since 2001, 350,000 healings. You know, so when you say, well, why isn't God doing it today? He is in my circles. He is in our tribe. You know, and, and I mean, that's just a, that's a quick snapshot. There's, there's so many others that are doing it. You know, there's the, the Heidi Bakers in, in Mozambique, Africa, who the story is that she just grabs a little blind girl and just rocks her. If I remember correctly, she didn't even have eyeballs. Is that right, Ron? I, I literally didn't have eyes at all. Like, there's nothing in the cavity. She rocks this kid and just releases the love of God. You know, when she's done praying, the kid has eyes. Like, <laughs> there's more, right? There's more. And you can poo-poo it off and say, oh, well, that's demonic. Or, or you can say, oh, well, I think somebody's making up a story. Or you can embrace it and you can go after God and let that transform your life. You can take him at his word. You can step out into boldness. And together we can transform our region. What could we do if all of us really believed the word of God and we really stepped out onto the water with faith and we really took God like at his word and we said, look, whether I see results or not, I'm going to be obedient to do what God has said in his word that we would do. What would it look like in our community? We would win this place overnight. We would win it overnight. And if that's not enough for me. We just go from here into the nations. Do you understand transformation is within you? But we have to be willing to go into the deeper things. Randy Clark has a quote from their ministry. He said, we've seen the blind see. We've seen the deaf hear. Man, come on. I mean, I, I long for the day when that my hand, I get to pray for somebody who was blind from birth and they see for the first time. Tell me that doesn't excite you. I mean, tell me that doesn't move somewhere deep on the inside of you. I mean, imagine not being able to hear. In, in my previous ministry, I had an opportunity to, to rub shoulders with this organization that did these things called a cochlear implant. They would literally implant something like in your head and in your ear, and, and people who were deaf were able to see, or excuse me, were able to hear for the first time because of this technology, right? Look, that is amazing, and it's awesome, and it so moved my heart, but look, plan A looks a lot better. 
Plan A is God uses you, and they don't have to have some mechanism on their face. He just moves through you, and you bring them to a place where for the first time they hear. Can you imagine being deaf? And do you know how loved you would feel if God broke in in that way and touched you and you could hear for the first time? Look, I want to be used like that. Do you? I want to be moved. I want to be hungry like that. I don't want to get into this place where I'm so comfortable with my life and I'm happy going to the lake and I'm, and I'm you know, it's cozy. Okay, we've grown a little bit as a church. Our, some of the pastor's salaries have increased. Hey, this feels a little bit more comfortable than it was when I was getting paid 12000 to be here, right? This feels a little bit better. I think we've arrived. No, we haven't arrived anywhere. We haven't even scratched the surface. We have to, we have to rebel. If, if we're rebelling anywhere, we have to rebel against this one thing. You know, this one thing of getting comfortable, of sliding into the rut of life that says, this is good enough. I don't want to actually have to go beyond this. I don't want to get outside of my comfort zone. We have to rebel against that if we are going to have the mark on the city, on the region, on this place where God has sent you. And for you, military, you're not here by mistake. You know, the, the God of all of creation has planted you in Warrensburg, Missouri, in the backside of a cornfield in the middle of nowhere, on purpose, for purpose. <laughs> You know, you're here for a reason. It wasn't a mistake. He was big enough to get your papers transferred to Hawaii, but he didn't answer that prayer. <laughs> There's a reason that you're here. Press into that reason. Am I making sense? And that brings us to our topic of today. <laughs> yeah, the working of miracles. Out of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the effecting of miracles, NASB says, the working of miracles. The word miracle actually is the word in Greek dunamis, and what it means in essence is power. It means simply power. More specifically, it's, it's miraculous power. You know, and, and I think by nature of understanding what it is by definition, it broadens that definition. It broadens our understanding of what we can expect when it comes to this thing called miracles. Now, if any of you are like me, the, the, the first thing I think of when I come to miracles are like the huge, grandiose things, you know, like, like Moses in the Old Testament, you know, Moses who has a stick, you know, and he, he plunges it into the Red Sea. Boom. Come on. Take that, Pharaoh. You know what I mean? Who's your daddy? You know what he was saying? He was like, you know, and, and, the, and the waters recede and they were able to go through on dry land. Like, that's a miracle, Right. You know, or the guy who, even out of anger, he's in the middle of the desert. He spacks a rock. Bam. You know, somebody should have stole. I'd have been like one of those guys to see. Joshua, I would have stolen, taken his staff and been like, yeah, but, you know, who wants to get healed? I'd probably killed somebody on accident. But, you know, somebody needed to try that thing out. So out of anger, he smacks a rock and potable water comes flowing out of it. I mean, what kind of guy can smack a rock in the middle of the dried up desert and get potable water? You know what I mean? For all of his people. You know, or the, the same guy, obviously, in Egypt, the, the plagues go forth from his word and they come back and retract off that city, off that, off that nation at his word. Now, that's a guy who's operating in the, in the gift of the working of miracles, right? It's this grandiose, but, but the definition is so much more broad than that. You don't have to carry a, you don't have to carry a staff and get an awesome beard. Okay, save the beard vitamins. You know, God has more than just a staff for you. After Jesus fasted for 40 days, he's being pummeled by the enemy in the, in the wilderness. And he comes up out of that place. And here in Luke chapter 4 and verse 14, it says this. And Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. That word power is the word for dunamis. This is that miraculous power that we just read about in 1 Corinthians 12. So Jesus returned to Galilee in the, in the miraculous power of the Holy Spirit, and news about him spread through all of the surrounding districts. Now, what was that guy doing? I mean, Jesus comes out of the wilderness. The enemy's been buffeting him. He, he passes all of those tests. It says that he comes out in the miraculous power of the Holy Spirit, and everybody instantly knows who this guy is. This guy is thrown down. A little bit later, in just a few for, uh, short verses, it says this, verse 36. And amazement came on them all, and they began talking with one another, saying, What is this message for with authority and dunamis power, miraculous power? He commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. With miraculous power, he commands the demonic forces in people, and they leave, right? 
Now, I don't know about you, but I have not often equated miraculous power with the ability to cast demons out. I suspect there are some out there who have even ministered in that way, who have, who have seen that happen, and I wonder, did you know that you were operating in miracles at that time? See, this scripture tells us plainly that when Jesus was there operating in this miraculous power of the Holy Spirit, one manifestation of that was the ability to bring freedom to people who were oppressed by the devil. Something he says in Acts 10.38, if it was this service that I said that wrong. I said 10.8 last week. It's 10.38. We see this again, Mark chapter 9 and verse 39. The disciples saw some other people out casting out demons, and they came to Jesus saying, hey, something's amok, we should be doing that, not those guys, yada, yada, yada. Jesus says, do not hinder them, for there is no one who will perform a miracle in my name that will soon thereafter speak ill of me. See, Jesus was equating performing a miracle with the casting out of demons from people. Are you, is that making sense? That, to me, broadens the definition quite a bit. Another place that we often see the working of miracles or the classification of the working of miracles is through healing, something obviously that we're very passionate about here. Luke chapter 5 and verse 17. One day he was teaching, this is Jesus, and there were some Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting there, and he had come, they had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem, and power, miraculous power, dunamis power was excuse me, uh, excuse me, uh, and the miraculous power of the Lord was present for him to perform healings. So there was, the, there was this miracle, or the, the power to perform miracles in the atmosphere, Jesus being sensitive to the Holy Spirit, doing only what he saw the Father in heaven doing, senses, hey, the gift of miracles is being released, I'm going to take advantage of that. The result of that was that everybody's getting healed, right? So we see healing then takes on the form of a miracle. So, to me, that begs the question, well, last week you talked about the gift of healing, now you're talking about the gift of miracles, but you're suggesting that healing is a miracle, well, what's the, what's the catch, what's the difference? I can testify from my own experience that there are a number, way, number of ways that people get healed, and sometimes we'll have somebody come, and we've healed, uh, seen healed a number of chronic issues, stuff that they've had for years. So you have somebody who comes up to the prayer ministry team, they lay hands on them, they do all according to a pattern that, that we have here, we kind of have rules set on this so that you kind of know what you get and what you can expect on a Sunday morning, and they go through this pattern, excuse me, and nothing seems to happen. This person seems to be as sick as the, day, as the moment that they walk through, no, nothing seems to happen in that moment, but inevitably, I get a phone call two days, a week later, a couple of weeks later, even sometimes, and somebody, somebody who's totally stoked says, hey, remember when they prayed for me for that chronic issue that I've had for the last five years? Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, well, you know, here it is at the one-week mark, and I woke up, and I'm completely healed. You know, well, what happened there? You know, I, I don't know exactly what God's doing, except that I, He's working with your physical body to, to deliver you from whatever your sickness is of, of that moment. And I don't know whether He's speaking directly to the root of the sickness, and then all of the issues in your body just take naturally a couple of days to flush out of your system, you know, or if He's speaking to your immune system and building you up miraculously so that you can then, you know, expedite this healing in your body. I, I don't know what He's doing. I just know He touches you. Nothing seems to happen, and then, and then a few days later, these people are healed, right? A number of people would say, this is actual healing. This is not a miracle. This is the process of healing. God's working with your natural body to expedite the natural process, the natural working of that. You know, there's, there are things that, that, that transpired in there that ultimately result in a healing, but, it, but it's not what they would classify as an actual miracle. Now, with this, I have to interject to say, so often, like, we have to approach healing with faith. And, and I, I say that with hesitancy because I know that there have been so many abuses over that and so many accusations. Look, we don't accuse anybody. Oh, wow, you didn't get healed because you didn't have faith. That's ignorant. There's so many variables. That's, that's certainly not one of them. But we do have to approach it with faith. And the definition of faith is that even though I'm not seeing it right now, I'm believing for a specific outcome. I have a conviction of a specific outcome. But so often, we come and we, we lay hands on this person and we go, okay, and we do that three times. Usually we'll do it three times here. We'll pray and we look at them. Hey, is there anything? No, I'm still a 10. I'm still, I'm still feeling sick, just the same as I was when I came. In that moment, we have a decision to make. Either one, you believe that your prayers are effective, you know, or two, you can come under the natural, well, what you're seeing with your natural eyes. 
And when we come to what we see with our natural eyes, we're partnering with everything that's postured against that healing. It's, oh, well, I guess he didn't do it. And we're coming under that thing once again and, and, and coming into agreement with, well, God didn't do anything. <clears throat> and we effectively eliminate our prayers for healing. You know? but in, in contrast to that, if we can learn to contend, you know, we, we can partner with God. Now, let me say it a different way. The enemy loves to come to you. It's standard attack of the enemy. When somebody does get healed, or when somebody doesn't, in the case I've just described, he will come to you and he'll say, did God really? Remember that from the Garden of Eden? Yeah. Man, from the very beginning, he's running the same tactics. He's doing, he's doing everything. You know, it's, it's all the same stuff. He just repackages it for 2017. Did God really heal you? You know, did he really do that? And when, you, when he inserts doubt, what did I tell you when we were talking about faith? When there's doubt, there is no faith. They're mutually exclusive. If he has the ability to call you into this place where you begin to doubt, it negates your faith. And oftentimes, the thing that, would, that afflicted you will come back on you. So many people have asked, well, wait a second, I got healed on Sunday. I was 100%. I walked out that whole night, but I woke up the next morning and the sickness was back. What's the deal? What's the deal? Well, I can tell you with absolute assurity the deal isn't on God's side. It's not God who says, you know what, I just wanted to give you a, a, an afternoon of reprieve, but now that that's done, boom, there you are sick again. It's not God who's doing it, right? But so often what we will do is we'll go, oh, well, I, I thought that I was healed on Sunday, but I guess I wasn't. And I immediately come into agreement with that thing, and it stays. The enemy likes to go, you know, let's just say you came in with a, with, with a sore on your side or something, you know. Like the enemy the next day or the week later, a couple of weeks, he likes to put his nasty finger right in your side and poke it. He's like, you feel that? Yeah, I feel that. And he says, did God really heal you as he's poking your side? Look, what we have to learn to do is to stand faithful on the word of God, recognizing that sometimes we can't see it in the moment. But recognizing also that he's called the righteous to live by faith, what does that mean? It means if I'm upright, if I'm right before God, I'm going to be able to stand out on things, whether I see it happening or not, and believe for a certain outcome. You understand what I'm saying here? We have to be able to contend for that so that the next day when the snake pokes his finger in my side, I can go, what? My, heck yeah, I was healed yesterday. My God's not schizophrenic. He's a good dad. He touched me, and I'm going to stand on that. Get behind me. You know, get behind me. I'm not going to come under that again. I'm not going to accept it. You know, and for whatever reason, I'll just submit this to you. If for whatever reason you can't get your breakthrough, there is no shame in returning back to the prayer line and saying, hey, I don't know what happened, but I, I lost the victory on this. Could you pray for you again? Our people will pray for you till the cows come home. You know, like we, we're, we're, is, we're in, in some cases, we're more interested in your victory than you are. You know, we will partner with you and pray over you the word of God until you come into the place of your rightful victory according to the word of God, right? Now, all of this is in contrast to what they would consider a miracle of healing. Now, a miracle of healing, and, and let me submit this before, well, let's just say it's instantaneous. I'll just throw it out there. It's instantaneous. You know, and I see absolutely no reason why I shouldn't get an instantaneous miracle every time I lay my hands on somebody, Right? Do I have the gift of miracles? No, I don't think so. But I've had the fruit of it. And why do I have the fruit of it? Because the Bible says that when Holy Spirit comes, I'll have what? Power. Guess what that word is? Dunamis power. Miraculous power. Does it say that you have to be gifted? No, you just have to have Holy Spirit on you. You have to be baptized in the Spirit. When Holy Spirit comes, when He comes upon you, the manifestation of that is miraculous power. So whether I'm gifted or not, I'm called as a Christian into a, into a brand new experience with God where I partner, where Holy Spirit is manifest in my life, and where the result is miracles and signs and wonders. These things will follow those who believe, it says in the commission in Mark. These things will follow those who believe. Believe in what? Believe in Jesus. Have the Holy Spirit. These signs, these things will follow you. You're going to cast out devils. You're going to heal, lay the hands on the sick. They're going to recover, right? The whole deal is laid out. This is the normal Christian experience. This is what we can expect, whether we're gifted or not. And I believe, I'm going to reiterate this, that God is calling us into a place of contending for the more because he has so much more for you. He has so much more for me. I don't want to be found wanting on the day when I'm called an account and regretful. I don't want to be an 80-year-old man on my deathbed. That's not right. 120 years old on my deathbed. You know, and looking back over my life going, boy, I wish I'd have been more bold. Man, I wish I would have prayed more. 
You know, man, I wish I would have. I wish I would have really got a hold of that. I wish I'd have been like Moses and all of the extravagant things that he was seeing. I still had a longing in my heart for the more of God, and I asked him, "Show me your glory." Come on, I mean, there's so much more than what we're tasting of. I don't want to get to the end where I'm called to account, and God says to me, "There was so much more." You know, well, well done with what you had, but boy, let me show you. You know, it says there's no more tears in heaven, but I might cry in that moment, right? There's so much more. We're doing good. And listen to this. I may not have this interpretation right, but take it for what it is. Acts chapter 4 and verse 33. And with great power, the apostles, here we are again, miraculous power. And with great miraculous power, the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and abundant grace was upon them all. I don't believe this possible. I don't believe this is saying that they were doing miracles and the miracles were testifying of the resurrection of Jesus. I believe actually what it's saying is that they were preaching miraculously. They were testifying from their own lips with power and authority. I remember years ago reading the biography or autobiography, whatever they are, you know, of, of one of the healing revivalists of, of our history. You know, and, and he had talked about, this is one of our mainline guys, can't remember his name though, but he had talked about how he had his, this evangelistic ministry where he was preaching to the lost and he had some measure of success in that place. You know, people did. They came to Jesus and you know, it, it was what it was. And then he got baptized with the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden, he says, he says, I didn't change anything. I said all of the exact same things. He said, they were the same words. They were the same scriptures. They were the same sermons. He said, but all of a sudden, he said, the words that came out of me penetrated hearts and brought people to a place of conviction. He said that my ministry exploded overnight. And this is somebody who had used thousands and thousands come to Christ because of the speaking of the word. Look, there's a place that we can get to in God where the miraculous, where we part partner with the miraculous, and the words that we speak are like the very words of God. It says that in John. The words that come out of my mouth, they're like the very words of God. And the words of God flowing through me, they will penetrate hearts because it's the word of God. It'll, it'll, it'll split between bone and marrow. It'll have, the, it'll have the fruit that it's necessary to have. It'll bring transformation. I could stand, I could preach, I could bring a good message. You could say, hey, you're doing a good job, pastor. And I can tell you've really studied your scripture and, and that was good. And you may get a thing or two out of it. But when I come, partnering in power with the testimony of Christ. When, that, when the anointing of the, of the gift of miracles is upon my words, it will go and penetrate something on the inside of you that wrecks you for the ordinary. Where you say, there's a line in the sand and I'm, and I'm crossing, I'm never going back. I am never looking back. I'm putting my hand to the plow and I'm not looking back. I'm going for it. Something shifts on the inside of me. Maybe you come into the house of salvation for the first time. Maybe you get hungry for God for the first time. Maybe addictions are you fall off your life, something that you've not been able to get victory over. You get victory over all of a sudden. But I'm here to tell you, there's a level that we can get to of partnership with God where the miraculous partners with the words that are on your lips and they have the results that heaven says that we're going to have. Now, I long for that here. I long for that here. There's so much more than what I am currently tasting in this realm. I long for that. I, I, I'm going to be stupid for a second, but I long for the day when I could take this pulpit and say something like fart and people get healed. Yeah. <laughs> First of all, religious stuff's just breaking off people as we speak. But because it's not about the words that I speak, it's about the, it's about the Holy Spirit that I carry. It's... <laughs> Did I lose you? <laughs> I'll say it again. Fart, fart, fart. No. It's messing with you. Pastors can say a whole lot worse. Just ask Jason. <laughs> That's good. And as broad as the definition of miracles are, we still see littered throughout the New Testament extravagant big gun stuff, you know, that I'm expecting to see unfolded more in our lives in the coming days. Looking at a few of these, John chapter 2, it's the first miracle that Jesus ever did. You know, his, you remember the story, he's at a wedding. Everybody's schnockered. <laughs> they drank up all the wine, right? What happens when you drink up all the wine, right? At least half of them, right? 
It was, part, it was part of the deal, part of the culture. So here these guys are schnockered. His mom comes to him and she says, hey, here's what you need to do. You need to do something about this. And he's like, woman, what? It's not, it's not my time, right? And she says, listen to him. And so Jesus is standing there like, you know, it, it, and he said, okay, all right, you know. And, and he, takes, he takes this filthy, nasty water and turns it into the choicest wine, alcoholic wine, for those of you who are, you know, curious about that. The most, you know, beautiful, perfect wine that there ever was serves it to drunk people. Think about it. Go back and read the story. The first miracle that Jesus ever did was to make an alcoholic drink. And to my knowledge, nobody got saved because of it. <laughs> right? See, because sometimes that's a caveat that people will put on the gifting of miracles. Well, you may be able to work a miracle, but it's unto someone's salvation. It testifies of Jesus and somebody ought to be getting saved. Who got saved when they drank that wine? You know what that tells me? It tells me that Father God is so concerned with the intimate details of my life that whether it's ministry or whether I'm just hanging with my staff and I need an extra foot long because we didn't get enough food. <laughs> he's concerned and he answers and he shows up with miracles. You know what else it tells me? I'm going to take too long on this. He's so concerned about his word to us that says to honor our father and mother that he was willing to trump his own time frame for the release of Jesus into his miracle ministry. He was willing to trump his own time frame to, to release Jesus to honor his earthly mother. Now that's powerful. That's powerful. Something to meditate on. Matthew chapter 14. Jesus and Peter walk on water. <laughs> Is that awesome? I mean, seriously. Is that awesome? Like, what, what was Peter thinking in the first place? Like, where had he ever seen this before? You know, and Jesus, it says, Jesus was planning on passing them by. He wouldn't plan on hanging out anyway, you know? Did Jesus plan on passing them by? He's out there walking on the water. I mean, what are you doing? Seriously, like, that doesn't even make any sense to me. And Peter, like, they're freaking out. Ah, the storm is here, and look, there's a ghost on the water. And before he even knows that it's really Jesus, he's like, hey, if it's you, if it's you, you might be some demonic entity, like a floating head with big teeth, right? If it's you, God, call me out onto the water and I'll walk out to you. What? Who is this guy? This is ridiculous, right? But who got saved? Ah, nobody. Nobody got saved. God had other plans for the working of that miracle, didn't he? How many of you have practiced walking on puddles? Come on, I could do it. I could do it. <laughs> You're like, I'm walking. No, you're standing on a rock, dude. Oh, oh, sorry. <laughs> Matthew chapter 14 and 15, they multiply the food. They take one young man's sack lunch. Mama was good to him. She knew what was going on. She's a good super mom, one of you. You know, packs him up a good lunch. All the rest of those schmoes had no clue what was going on, you know. He takes the one sack lunch and feeds like 15,000 people. 15,000 people. Why do I say that? Because it said 5,000 men. 5,000 men, you know, with a wife, that's 10,000. With, you know, with another kid, that's 15,000. I consider that a conservative estimate, right? 15,000 people. It takes one sack lunch and multiplies it. That's unreal. That's, an, that's a miracle right there. That's one of them we get to partner with. We get to see happen in our own, in our own midst. Matthew chapter 17, Jesus tells them to go fishing because they needed tax money. <clears throat> Look, they had money. They had a treasure of Judas. They just weren't around the treasure of Judas. You know, and so he's like, all right, instead of tracking this guy down, I don't know the last time you checked, but they didn't have cell phones. You know, so instead of this, I'm going to just, just go fishing. Look, you, you know, this does so much for my faith. Because God is doing great things here, and the house that we have isn't going to contain everything that he's going to do in the future. I mean, he's already promised, he's, he's fulfilling his promise even as we speak. It's amazing to see the things that God's doing. But how many of you know it costs a pretty penny to do anything? And I mean anything. You know, a million dollar building project isn't, isn't dreaming, it's being practical and doing bare minimum. It's just, the, that's just what things cost, you know? And so I'm looking at, I'm, I'm stuck between a rock and a hard place where I go, we've been saving for years. We have X number of dollars to move forward on something. That's not even close. So how do you accommodate the growth that God's doing and pay for it too? He says, go fishing. Just go fishing because everything that you need, 
Now, what kind of a miracle is that? The God of all of creation speaks to the fish and says, be here at this exact location at this exact time and bite on this exact hook. Just so happens to be the one that sucked up the buried treasure from whatever, right? That's unbelievable to me. But to think that it can't happen today is naive. Why can't it happen today? Absolutely naive. A few more. We'll go through these pretty quick. <clears throat> John chapter 11 they raise, they raise, uh, Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead, been there stinking for three days, then matter to Jesus, he just says, come on, let's go, we got more ministry to do, man, get out of there. Acts chapter 9, Peter raises Dorcas from the dead, you know, was it just the apostles that get to do this cool stuff? No. I mean, we're seeing these ministries throughout the earth right now, where there are people who are successful at doing this very thing. Jesus wrecked every funeral that he ever went to, and he's called us to do greater things. You know, he's called us to be able, I've, I've, I've laid hands on deceased folks more than I care to, you know, and, and I have not seen one rise yet, but I will. Why? Because I'm pressing into the more that he has for me, because I believe the word is actually for me and not just for an apostle, Paul. It's actually for me. He said to me, this is what you're going to do. This is what ministry looks like. And anybody who's less than 150 years old needs me to lay hands on them because they went out too soon. There's more to be done. Amen. You understand? Yeah. Hope that's making sense to somebody. <laughs> Acts 13, Elimus, the magician, is blinded by Paul. Love this one, first of all, because it's like it's Paul who says, like, you know, don't curse, only bless. <laughs> Elimus, shut your mouth, you snake. You're, you're gonna be blinded for a while so that you can think on your many sins. Yep, that's right. Yeah. You know, that's awesome. That's like Marvel superhero stuff. You know what I mean? Like how many of you have wanted to mute somebody? Don't lie. You know, like you know what I'm saying? But Paul's like, look, what did it just you know what? Just be silent. And you're like, whoa, it actually worked. You know, how many of you, you know, just you know what? You're just gonna be blind for a minute because you need to think about what you just said to me. Whoa, I can't see. Yep, just soak in that for a second. Like, come on, this is cool. It's mean, but it's cool. <laughs> you know, here it is, model for us in scripture. That means it's legal. <laughs> Acts chapter 19, Paul's handkerchief, we've talked about that, stinky nasty handkerchief off his head, the anointing on it so strong that people get healed when they touch it, just like when they touched the hem of Jesus' garment, you know, and it, right before that it actually talks about people were just thronging him on all sides so that they could touch, they could just touch him, they could just touch him, you know, it just doesn't take much at Jesus to make everything else melt off. Acts chapter 20, Paul raises Eutychus from the dead. You know, look, <laughs> Paul, Paul's a psycho. Look, this dude, like, it's midnight. He's preaching to this guy. And the guy's like, okay, Paul, you're crazy boring right now. What do you say for that long? I can, I can preach everything that I've ever done in seven years and not be there till midnight, right? Paul's just going on and on. The dude falls asleep, falls out two stories onto the ground, dies. Paul, instead of being like, okay, guys, I'm really sorry. It looks like the meeting's over for tonight. He runs down the stairs, lays hands on the guy, Eutychus. Dude, seriously, get up. You're distracting my meeting right now. Brings it back in, starts preaching again. You know, I guess at that point he had more fuel for the fire. I don't know. You know, but it's just like, come on. So if anybody ever falls out in the aisle, you know, we'll, we'll get you resurrected. It's good. You know, so just to touch on a few things. One last thing, one last thought. I talked to you previously about the must-have list for the local church. Remember that out of 1 Corinthians 12, the latter part of the chapter. You know, it's, it's the, it's the must-have list of Jesus. Would you know that the gift of miracles is on there? 1 Corinthians 12, 28. And God has appointed in the church. He's given to the church. This is the structure by his design that he has given. And this is the, the structure that we're to follow if his will is going to be done in the local church entity, which is us, Right? And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, dunamis miracle-working power, then gifts of healings, helps administration, various kinds of tongues. There are a lot of people who are saying, who are coming against the message that I'm giving you today. And they would say, no, healing has ceased. It ceased with the apostles. Miracles, all that stuff, it stopped with the apostles. Right? But Understanding the context of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the Apostle Paul is speaking to the local church body, right? So he's speaking to the local church. To my knowledge of Corinthians, there weren't any other apostles present. Does that make sense? So why would Paul be speaking a message to a local Christian body 
about an exclusive gift that only he could have. What's the point? Just do it. You don't even need to teach on it because there's no hope of anybody ever following suit. Why would he be saying, this is, this is what absolutely has to be in the church? And he lines out the list. Further, I would go on to say, they say that, the, that, the, that these sort of gifts, that these sort of manifestation things, that they ceased with the apostles. But interestingly, on this list, apostles and prophets are separate to miracles and healings. Right? They're separate from them. What does that mean? That means God expected that somebody outside of them was going to be operating in miracles and in healings. Right? Are you seeing the logic? Paul's speaking to a local body. There aren't any apostles there that we know of about gifts and things that absolutely have to be in the church that God himself has ordained for his will to be done. He separates out healing and miracles from apostles and prophets and and, and lines it out. Here's what has to be present. Why have we said it's not for today? The Bible itself refutes it, I think, quite plainly, if we just, just think about it for a second. The last thing I would say about that passage is this. If the gift of miracles and the gift of healing has ceased, then why not administration and helps of service? They're on the same list. See, we're comfortable as a church with saying, well, 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 somebody has to do something. We've got to have people who are serving. You know, and we have to have people who are leading, and they've got to be organized so administration can't cease. That doesn't make any sense. Oh, healing and miracles? Yeah, well, we don't, we don't do that here. Is it not on the same list? Yeah. We're on the same list, right? Yeah. Am I making sense? Yeah. I could make more sense, but we'd be here till midnight. <laughs> <laughs> Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you, first of all, that something in preaching, just I don't even know all, but makes me feel better. Thank you for the measure of healing that's continuing to be poured out just for me, even in this context. We thank you for that, God. We thank you for your promises. Thank you, God. And Father, we, we stand as your children, and I know that there's more than one in this congregation whose heart's burning within them today. I know that there's more than one who would say, I see them more. You know, I feel the Holy Spirit of God on those words, and I want more. God, would you release grace from heaven for us to be able to deny ourselves whatever that looks like, to step into the more, to posture ourselves, to be in your presence, God, fully connected with you, fully sensitive, so that we could maximize this small amount of time we have on the earth. And God, I don't know about the rest of these guys, but the gift of the working of miracles sounds absolutely awesome. I want to be a superhero. <laughs> you said, we have not because we ask not. Father, we posture ourselves now. It's just, we, whatever, we just muster up the fervent pursuit of this thing right now. We ask you, you being the Father that's good, who knows how to give good gifts, we're expectant, God, that something is going to shift today, that the releasing of the working of miracles is going to happen today over your people so that we can bring you maximum glory, so that we can expand the tent pegs of your kingdom, so that we can save this place to your glory, God. We give you this region. Father, we give you Smithton. We give you Warrensburg. We give you Knobnosters, Centerview. Father, we give you Concordia. We give you Clinton. We give you Lexington. California. We give you this region, God. We ask that you would ignite something on the inside of us. Release the gift of miracles in us with holy boldness that we can bring your kingdom to this region. We want to transform this place, God. A nuclear bomb of your presence wrecking everything that it comes in contact with for your glory. Come on, come transform this place, God, and use these people to do it, we pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.